Welcome to the next episode of An Etymology of Dreaming. I'm really excited to welcome Kate Chadwick, who is a colleague of mine who lives in Brisbane, Australia. She is an integrated dream worker and has been working with dreams for as a dream worker for how many years? Working has started six years ago. So for yeah. six years. So welcome, Kate. Nice to have you here. Thank you. So good to be here. So just a little bit about Kate. She studied her background, a little bit about her biography. She studied journalism right out of high school and got a degree in film and television production, but then went on from that to train in kahuna bodywork and cranial sacral therapy. Then you moved from Australia to Italy for 12 years and just came back to Australia in 2014. So, Kate, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. I guess where I would like to start. I mean, I do want to ask you how you came into this kind of work. It came into the spiritual work of, and you know, you call what you do integrated dream work. Like, how did you arrive there? What was your particular path? Just to get us started before we start talking about like the, the ins and outs of what you actually do. Well, I started off with the body um, in terms of psychophysical sort of healing work, which with the kahuna and the craniosacral therapy is pretty much that arena. I never actually finished the craniosacral therapy training. I was only halfway through it when I went overseas. But the kahuna I'd trained in and worked in that for quite a few years. And what it had, I don't know, just made me aware of through the experience of doing that was that we store emotion and memory in the body in particular configurations that are specific to us but also have a general patterning that you can see from person to person is part of our humanness, the way that we store this stuff. And that was quite a revelation to me because when I started doing the training, I hadn't had any particular experience of that with um, with other people, with myself, yeah, but not knowing that there was actually a modality that could help facilitate people processing and moving through their stuff directly through the body. So once that became really apparent to me and a very real thing, I was then sort of set on my path more or less in terms of how, you know, wanting to know how we can heal from such specific and deep and complicated life experiences that we store and that are affecting us in ways that we're not necessarily conscious of. So the bottom-up approach of working through the body seemed like, I don't know, at the time I was like, this is the best stuff. Like this is like the like a tool that's available or a modality that's available that gets underneath whatever storytelling or um, ideas we might have about ourselves to actually get a kind of direct help through the intelligence of the body. And so I carried that with me, you know, very strongly. And then even when I went overseas, um, I wasn't practicing kahuna anymore. I was teaching English and had a school in Italy. But still, that, that sort of experience informed me in the way that I dealt with my own stuff. So I had a, my own meditation practice and I was as active as I could be. You know, whenever I had reactions to things, I would, you know, go inside and look. But one thing that had been a constant since childhood was particularly um, intense night terrors or nightmares. And they were of a genre that was quite it was alien to me. I couldn't place it within the framework of my lived experience and I couldn't understand how to start processing that stuff. In fact, when I did sort of bring those dream images into my consciousness and would sit with them to try and explore them, the body reactions were so extreme, like I would have fits and I would have another strange reaction would be I would just fall asleep. <laughs> I would just be overwhelmed with fatigue. You know, it's pretty valiant. Like I really approached this stuff as best I could for a long time and I didn't seem to be making any um, headway with that. And so when I discovered the dream work that, you know, you guys do online, so at the time, you know, I'm living in southern Italy and I'm reading about the stuff that's going on in Vermont, and <laughs> it, it just rang true to me, the approach, because 
there was an acknowledgement of the deep intelligence of the dream that was underneath conscious, the conscious mind. To me, that was kind of parallel to what I knew about the body in terms of, you know, kahuna and craniosacral therapy. Yeah, and so I started. I started doing dream work. It became very quickly apparent to me that it was the right stuff for me. And also, too, of course, the the unraveling that went on with it was very surprising and not linear, but undeniably true in terms of my own experience. I was, you know, a quick convert. Like <laughs> I was like, yeah, this is really, and and you know, and the lived benefits of it were quite immediate as well. So yeah, so that's like ten years ago now that I started with that, and you know, and those night terrors they abated very quickly or or at least transformed into different more workable energies yeah and so that's been like core to my yeah my way of living my life I mean I wouldn't say negotiating my life it's more like a way of embodying my life yeah I mean I was struck by like when you first started being with your dreams just trying to be with them before you discovered this way of being with the dreams like having fits like shaking like shaking or that or, or just going to sleep like to have these like incredibly body whole body reactions or respo- or responses I guess maybe is their way of saying it and that changed as yeah. soon as you start working with your dreams in this way like it it shifted yeah yeah it really started shifting and the reactions I was having was like you know when I sort of locate it physically like a lot of stuff through the rib cage and the back around kidney area solar plexus stuff like it was it was pretty intense I'd you know I had tried yoga and I'd tried different meditative practices like very soft approaches more sort of stern approaches yeah but for me it was working with my dreams and the real specificity of the way that they worked within my energy system seemed to be the right combination of approach and withdrawal if you can describe it that way there was there was a circling around this core sort of trauma pattern or whatever it was in my system that gently disentangled it to the degree where it just became more approachable and I could really enter it and start working through it I mean I don't know if other people have that kind of body stuff going on from night terrors but I imagine in the very least waking up from a particular night terror you have this resonance this sort of heavy or difficult sensation that can stay with you for me it would stay with me for days and days it was like a cloak of something quite intractable and really like I I didn't want to have to do anything other than what I was doing to be free of it I thought surely my intense dedication to my meditation practice is gonna gonna do this you know just stick with it and it really it really didn't and I'd have to say too I think there was something about the way that I was approaching these patterns in my body through my meditation process that created actually more resistance to it there was um in some ways it intensified it without relief or shift well why do you think that is is so because like how how did it create more resistance i think the very nature of whatever was you know the i'm talking about like i'm not conscious of it like i'm conscious of it now of what those Mm -hmm. core traumas were but the very nature of them required such a subtle and gentle and almost imperceptible approach that any mindfulness on my part, like a mindful approach towards it, was aggravating. It was like this very hypersensitive stuff and my willfulness to be free of it was actually creating more resistance. So the sort of like, I will, you know, the willfulness to be free of the night terrors. Yeah. Can also like that. There's like a like I just want to get rid of it instead of. I think what you're saying, the, what the dreams yeah. offer is actually you can't get rid of them, but you whatever core traumas are causing that night terror, you know the dreams invite us to go in there, and that's the way to release it. And they do it. I love the way you said it in this kind of roundabout, very slow, imperceptible way of working around the edges rather than throwing us full bodied into them. Yeah, yeah, and you know like. It's- as far as inner work goes, like my inclination was definitely very kamikaze. Like I was like, show me the stuff. 
I want to face into it. Let me know what it is so I can chew through it and come through the other side. And I mean, as far as like, you know, that's a good tool to have in the toolbox as far as approaches go. And some um, particular, you know, conditioning requires that approach. But for me, it was a little bit of a blanket <laughs> response to anything that felt uncomfortable in myself. It was like sledgehammer. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it just wasn't cutting it. It wasn't doing it. And I really, I just struggled with it for many years. I did. And it was confounding to me, like the way that the kind of physical responses I was having to that discomfort and those night terrors, I was like, well, surely, you know, through just nature and life and moving forward, this is, this stuff's going to shift. But, but it just, it didn't. Okay. So there's some reason I want to ask this question about, mm-hmm. was there a dream that kind of broke it for you? Like, was there a dream that kind of opened things up for you? Just like in your own personal work and then also talk about, is there a dream that kind of was like, hey, this might be something for you to be doing for other people, not just for yourself. Like in your own work, was there a dream that comes up for you? Yeah, well, I mean, a couple of years into doing the dream work for myself, it the, the dreams themselves started suggesting being a facilitator for other people which I was very reluctant to do because I had this idea um, half-baked. Like, I'm, you know, I can't facilitate stuff for other people until, you know, I am i don't know, I had some imaginary goal of how I was going to be in myself before I could start looking at that. That avoidance went on for several years <laughs> and, and, you know, and uh, then – you know, then it became, it was just a passion. Like the passion itself was the imperative. Like the benefit that I gained from doing this process work and the really, like the genuine transformation that I'd experienced in my own life, I was like, damn, like it's such an underutilized gift that we have these dreams that are so powerfully supportive and loving and, and instructive sometimes about how to become more whole and more integrated and I just wanted to share that with people so the first people that you know come on board are friends because they were close to me and they were like what's this stuff (laughs) and and, you know starting to do it and then feeling the benefits of it and, and wanting to continue although I had I had a kind of I definitely had this like a mental resistance to being visible in the world doing this thing that you know, just calling it like like dream work or the kind of blowback I was imagining that I would be getting from doing this airy-fairy, maybe, you know, perceived as being a new agey, you know, snake oil, <laughs> you know, like all of that stuff. Came up. And that didn't jive with me at all. So I was like, no, I'm not stepping out. Like I'm just going to be back here and anyone who wants me can come find me. And then I, and then I did have a, quite a powerful dream where – it was I was in an auditorium with these scientists in lab coats and they're asking me in this really kind of arrogant fashion like what has contributed most to the development of the world science or soul and I'm like well science of course because that's where you know most people have put their attention and then I see this image that appears on this big screen and it's this whole network of looks like a neural network within one side of it the material scientific endeavors being dense and very active and pockets of it being very inwardly churning and almost incestuous where the material mind is um, obsessed with itself and then parts of that scientific material mind reaching towards this other side which is uh, the side of soul and creativity and the intelligence of the unconscious And then that side of the unconscious reaching out with these different networks towards the material scientific mind. And within those networks, all these people placed with their individual endeavor to bridge those two um, realities or those two aspects of existence. And I saw myself in that network, you know, definitely mostly placed, you know, on the unconscious dream side of things yet the endeavor itself was this reaching out towards the material bringing the intelligence of the unconscious and the soul awareness into connection with the material world and as the you know the other part of the dream was I had this awareness that 
this was what the world was needing, was needing to come into balance, coming into alignment, that there was this very distinct imbalance and that that was the cause of most of the ails in our present day, you know, from pollution to social problems and poverty and extreme injustice and all those things, and that any endeavour towards balance is good, like just essentially good, and I could see my place within it. And that, to me, was a kind of revelation of participating in a larger reality that felt real and true and... um Worth my worth my endeavor. So at that point, I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, I'll just yeah, I'm a dream worker. <laughs> right. So and and so how has that informed your own work? Because you know I know like when people say to me about being you know a dream worker or a dream practitioner, like people think often think about like scary dreams or recurring dreams. You know when they think about dreams. And they're like, how is that for you to be working with that kind of material? And isn't that exhausting? Or, you know, they, yeah, well, yeah. all kinds of stories. So I'm always like, for me, there, there is, it's very much part of my process of becoming and healing to be doing this with other people. It's also for me. So I'm like, how has that been for you? Well, I'm a big advocate for keeping things clean. And, Really, for me, it's like there is this parallel. Like when you're doing Kahuna body work, before you even start working with someone on the table, you're doing your flying work, which is like a kind of Tai Chi, which is footwork and arm work and breath work, so that you're bringing through this core energy in the body, which then sustains you and guides you and informs you and also enlivens you as you're doing the treatment. From that place you're giving to the other person or it's not even like you're giving, it's more like you're facilitating this space in which this flow can occur. And with dream work, it feels very much the same. There's the intelligence and the potency of the dream itself, which is so uniquely and beautifully formed for the dreamer. And that intelligence wants to connect to the dreamer. And as a dream work, you're facilitating that. There really isn't this sense of, giving from yourself to the other person, there's a sense of collaboration and accompaniment. And also too, like the amazing experience of bearing witness to this intelligence, because as you're, you know, as you're doing sessions, you know, this like as you're doing sessions, there's so many moments where connections are made between the content of the dream and the dreamer that there's just no way like that you could have seen it or or predicted it or or known it and yet the knowing is transmitted to me it's kind of like a witnessing the miracle of this very deep intelligence and there is and as as with doing kahuna you know I want to keep the parallel going but as with kahuna there's a sense of enlivening with that so for me it it really doesn't matter how if you want to call it dark or heavy or difficult, the material is that you're working with, the lightness and preciseness and the love and the intelligence of the dream itself meets all of that in a way that really, I like my hands are free. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I, I do feel that, I mean, I think it's beautiful the way you said it. I, I feel that it is about facilitation and collaboration and even with the scary, you know, the scariest material, which I think everybody has some experience with terrifying dreams, whether it's night terrors like you had or nightmares or scary dreams um, like I've had and you've had too. Like, I think there's, there's something really important about, for me, knowing that the dream is not bringing those, you know, our unconscious in the dream landscape is not bringing that to re-traumatize us, but to actually it comes with love because in a way we're already feeling that we're already feeling terrified and the dream is like you're feeling this is like your reality and yeah. we want to also open that reality so that we can bring other things in the intention is not to be terrifying but to actually open open that so that yeah. something can be integrated into your body integrated into your psyche we can grow from it and that there is a lot of love and intelligence in that in that act that is to me, almost always surprising. Yeah, and, and I like what you're saying too about how 
you know, when you're talking about trauma content or, you know, difficult emotional stuff, it's never new. It's never like, oh, I don't really know this feeling or this is doesn't <clears throat> this doesn't belong to me. There's some way that well, I can say for me in my experience with the night terror is like that stuff had been with me for as long as I could remember. Like I'd been waking up with night terror stuff since I was, you know, as I can remember since I was three years old. So it's not like it was unfamiliar, you know, and I was scared. Like I was scared at the beginning with the dream work that I was going to be re-traumatized, that somehow, or re-traumatized. I, I was scared that the, the bad feelings, as I called them, the bad feelings were going to be amplified and were going to stick to me and I wasn't going to get to the other side of them because that had been my experience, that I hadn't gotten to the other side of them, that I'd cycled around them and they'd kept on repeating on me in this way. And so it was really a revelation that, it shifted and changed as I faced into them with this newer perspective and this newer sort of consciousness. But also that the core thing, of course, was feeling accompanied by the love within the dreams themselves. And I guess just knowing that, like knowing that in my own experience, really makes me um, feel comfortable with that kind of content in other people's dreams. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. faithful as well, I guess, and faithful that the dream knows what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love what, I love the word accompanied by the love. Like you want to speak more about like how you see that and how you've seen it mm-hmm. working with your dreams and also working with other dreamers. Like you, can you speak more about that? Yeah. Well, the accompanied by the love thing, you know, that, that was sort of like some of my earliest experiences with dreams when I was younger. You know, there'd be different external circumstances in my life that were like either challenging or scary or confusing. And, you know, and then I'd dream at night and there'd be this sense of, well, first of all, this real acknowledgement about whatever my predicament or difficulty was. And at the same time, these dream figures that brought this enormous sort of love. And, you know, often for me, this there would be this sense of spaciousness, the sense of perspective and being held that, really allowed me to have a lot more room around what's going on in my external. Like it just made things feel less overwhelming. And those particular, you know, that would be like the early stuff that I can remember too, like that kind of sense of being accompanied. And as in the dream work, that that's just, I guess it's one of the core things of it. Like you, you drop more and more into this connection of all the ways in which you are accompanied and loved say, by the archetypes or, you know, divine figures, it becomes this very tangible reality of I'm not alone. And also, you know, that happens as you know, for everybody who works with their dreams. Like sooner or later, the opening to being supported in that way is, it's, and it's essential too, it's essential to be able to face into the scary stuff. You have to know the love to face into the pain and the terror of whatever you're carrying inside that's kept you restricted. You know, if, if there's anything that I could say has grown, that that, is, that has grown. The degree to which it's grown has increased my capacity to, like you're saying, it's not like you have the terror or you have the pain you think, well, I want that to go away. It's like, can I hold my awareness of this terror and this pain knowing that the love is bigger? And that being a place of healing rather than I'm going to eliminate these feelings that I find uncomfortable. It's like, well, how can I hold them in my consciousness um, and be in the love at the same time? Which I didn't know. Like, I didn't know that the path of dream work was taking me there. Okay. So I really am touched by the way you were speaking about being accompanied and how we need to have that to be able to work with these things that have been scary or experiences in the world that have been scary or disruptive, traumatic. And, you know, to me, that's a very, it is a very touching part of what we do that, um, I do believe that in those moments, what happens is people don't have anybody to walk with them. We don't have a space to be with. There's no spaciousness. There's no one to say, yeah, that that's true. That happened. Or let's have some space to process that. And so, you know, I love that. I love how you spoke about that for yourself. I was wondering if maybe you could speak a little bit about 
the how of what you do with dreams. Like, what does it look like when you are working with somebody? What, you know, so we have sort of a, a little bit of a theoretical background of how you, we work with dreams, but maybe like the practical part of it. Like, what does it look like when you work with somebody? What's your philosophy? Good. Okay. So this is the tricky part, right? Because <laughs> it's like, it's different every time and it's experiential. Yeah. It's like, so tell me what happens when you give a massage. It's like, well, you know, I put I know. my elbow in the back. And, you know, yeah, it's the same thing, right? Yeah. right? Everyone's stepping in wherever they're stepping in. This is the interesting thing too. It's like when people come to DreamWork, um, you know, we all have a preconceived idea about what our stuff is and what maybe we need to change in our lives, yet where the dreams come to meet us might be very different to what we think we need. Yet as we start working with that content, we realize, oh, right, okay, this is this is spot on. Initially, there's a bit of reorientation that goes on with what the dreams are actually bring, bringing thematically to the person, awareness of particular patternings in their behaviors or external situations that require attention, even health issues, you know, work issues, relationship stuff, you know, in session, you know, people will bring their last, you know, batch of dreams and, you know, often what I see within it, there'll be, you know, a couple of themes that are being addressed from different angles in multiple ways, but still the same, sort of like the same stuff. You know, and this is one of the beauty too with the dreams is you can have one particular issue that you're working with and you'll have a batch of dreams and that same issue will be approached from three different angles so that you get to experience these different facets of it as well as also getting a little bit of a smorgasbord about how to energetically work with that. In session, sitting with the dreams with the client, feeling through what's going on at each point and understanding, you know, we talk about the horizontal and the vertical, you know, we've got the the story as it's being told as a narrative and then within that story there's all these vertical points of particular feeling one of the key things that we do is is mapping out this internal landscape of well what are my true feelings about x situation or this past experience versus what are my emotional reactions to that and what do they look like and how do i act when i'm in that stuff as opposed to what does it feel like to be in my deeper realer feelings about this and where does that take me so you get all these choice points about processing underlying feelings as opposed to being caught up in some spin with particular emotional reactions. I mean, and it's not that sort of like, you know, you tick the box and you move to the next thing. It's, it's, a, it's a cyclical process where you revisit the same kinds of patternings over and over again as you're undoing that. And the layer of conditioning and reaction to particular pains or hurts or fears are so unique to each person that you really couldn't, I don't think, map it out with such precision if you didn't have the dreams. Over time, with you know, the dreams get this real sense of the lay of the land, of their inner landscape in terms of where where they're at on the map of reaction and feeling, process and spin. You know, it's and then that gives you new choices. It gives you new choices in your life. So you find yourself in a choice point where maybe previously in that situation, you know, you might go into anger or denial or some kind of reaction and instead you're feeling this opening to, well, maybe here, you know, because I've got this inner support, feeling what I'm really feeling, which is maybe pain or grief or fear. And I'd say, for example, I'll use an example from my own work, which was, you know, this was part of the thing when I first had my website and I was starting to you know get a little bit public about being a dream worker. I had this dream where I'm with this girl and we're in front of this old freezer and we've opened it up and inside are all these exotic birds all frozen and wrapped in cling wrap. And uh, I think Americans call it cellophane. Call it cellophane? <laughs> yeah. And they're all under wraps and in this freezer and I'm like, oh my god like who's done this to these beautiful animals like why would you do this and then as we're taking them out of the freezer I'm feeling this sadness about about these birds being dead and 
they quickly start defrosting, starting getting their flap on, you know, their flap and, and starting to, you know, really squirm and about to take off. And then I'm just, I'm terrified. I'm like, what species are they? I'm sure they're not native to this local environment. You know, they're going to wreak havoc on the local <laughs> fauna. I've got all these stories running really, really in quick succession about how it's really wrong that these birds are going to be released into the environment. And I kind of want them to be back in the freezer. <laughs> and, and so, you know, when I work this dream, you know, I get the, okay, the very initial moments when they're starting to wake up, there's this excitement and this relief and this sense of joy. Like, oh, they're alive. You know, this the beauty of that moment. But, you know, very quickly overtaken by this anxiety and fears and thoughts about how it's all wrong. And, you know, and, uh, and the reference point in the dream, of course, is the girl who is with me who... As I look to her at each moment in the dream, she is just delighted. Like, it's all good news to her. It's all really good. And I'm having my freak out and she's just like, this is really cool. <laughs> and, and so, you know, what I learned from that is, you know, this, you know, feeling into what the birds represent or what they, not represent, what they are in me is particular, you know, my creativity or my unusual thoughts or my way of expressing myself that I've had a lot of judgment about in terms of being too strange and unusual and, you know, not in the right time, place, <laughs> you know, slash culture, whatever, like something that's going to be a negative effect on the environment, not fitting to the habitat, all of that stuff, that all completely applies. And my unconscious reaction to that has been just to keep it frozen. Yeah. And so the discovery of these frozen birds is really this discovery of the grief of that like the deep um, sadness that I have when I see the birds is, is real. Like it's the sadness of how much of myself I've kept under wraps, the fear of not being harmonious with my environment. And so, you know, as I was, you know, writing a blog or stepping out or speaking about doing the dream work or, you know, there's other, you know, I'm a bit of a creative type with other stuff as well, you know, like sharing my painting with people and different things. You know, inevitably, anything that was about exposure would trigger this reaction, this knee-jerk reaction, not good, oh, oh, this is misstep, shut it down, you know. So a home, the homework from that dream was simply to be in the moment of clarity and reality about the joy of the discovery and even when I'm feeling this anxiety and fear about it being wrong, looking to the girl and knowing what she knows which is, this is good. It's a good thing. You know, so that's one dream that's accompanied me with, you know, being visible. And so, you know, so people who are working with their dreams, they're getting this kind of experience all the time through the dreams, addressing all different ways of being and giving you a choice point that's opening to a new vitality. Yeah. I mean, what's striking to me is, like, if I said something about your dream, which is really mm. moving, is, you know, that moment of the joy with the girl who's the girl is just like, yes, the girl who maybe is, you know, is the part of your soul that knows and is also awakening with the birds in a way. It, it just seems to me like there's two stories here. One is the news story, which is like, let's get the birds out from being wrapped up. Like this thing that you kept had to keep frozen for survival, really, in some way, is yeah. the news is the news story that wants to take flight. It seems like the old story is that, like, if you let yourself take flight, you're going to be harmful if you do that. Yeah. Yep. So I just, you know, I love that when you when you talk about spaciousness before, like, the old story is like you're just you have to keep everything in a wraps, and it, it gives you spaciousness to see like, oh, that's a big thing for you to have to live with, and it's joyful that you don't have to, and it gives you a place to work that is just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I had that dream maybe, you know, three, four years ago and I'm still learning that. It's not like, oh, 101, got it. It's like, no, like this is a pretty cool one for me and, and the dreams have approached it in lots of different ways. And it's just learning this new way of being, like right. practicing this new, uh, you know, acclimating, acclimating to new ways of being. It's a process. Because <laughs> you are a painter. You, you do, you're a painter mm. as well as all these other things that you do. Along with this podcast, we'll have some links to some of Kate's 
Okay. Will um, we? <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. Um, they're amazing. And because um, you've told me that you paint from the energy of your dreams. I mean, maybe not like the storyline, but is that does that still is that still true for you that you like some of your creative and the actual content of the, of the paintings come from that same place as the dreams do in some way? Yeah, right. no, yeah, I don't know. It's like I I only started painting like when I was like twenty six. Like I'd moved to Italy and I was in a kind of I wouldn't say social isolation, but the, the cultural shift of leaving my environment just gave me a lot of space in terms of wanting to explore things about myself. And I was living with this lovely lady who was a kindergarten teacher and she was doing some painting and I was like, oh, have a little go at that. And I quickly kind of discovered that doing visual art for me was a kind of plumb line. It, it was effortless, let's say that way. Like it was, it was an effortless thing. Well, not effortless to actually get myself to do it, like a lot of difficulty there. But once <laughs> I just do it, like just doing it felt very natural to me, like so natural. It's sort of like a conversation, like this sense of um, as I'm expressing through my hands, I'm seeing a thing that communicates back to me and the conversation continues through the act of painting. It's still such a sacred and private thing, that's why, you know, took me 10 years before I had an exhibition because I was just like, it's mine. <laughs> yeah, so is it like I do paint a lot, like I'm quite prolific, so pe people ask me questions about about it in terms of vocation and to say like hand on heart, it, it does not feel like vocation to me. It just feels like uh, a thing I do that makes me know myself in a way that I really like. And clarifies things within me that, in a way, I guess, I guess that's where I can find the parallel with the dream work. It, it sort of clarifies self-awareness. You know, whatever I'm going through, like, it's like whatever I, I'm bringing to it gets some kind of, I don't know if clarification is the right word. Anyway, there's, there's something alchemical that happens there for me and the gift is that. Like, I don't feel like beyond that anything has to happen with it. So, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, I mean, it does, because I think, you know, I love the, the plumb line into the unconscious. I mean, I, I think there is a parallel to the dreams. Like, the dreams are that plumb line. So, yeah. thank you. I mean, we hadn't really yeah. talked about your painting, but I, I'm a personal fan of your work. Um, oh, thank you. Bring that in. They feel very much in the same realm as dreams for me, so. You know, and I've had, you know, dreams as well that have... Um, guided me in that, you know what I mean, in terms of, or dreams that communicate through a visual painting or something like that, like it's, it's sort of like a, a, you know, one of the meta languages that, that happens in my dreams. And, I, and I'd like to mention that too, that like people who do the work, everyone has their field of experience and things that speak to them. I think on, I think everyone's got, you know, well, everyone that I know has some activity or some practice that for them is a plumb line. And that kind of connection really just gets, I wouldn't say amplified, but because dreams are coming from the same place, at this deep place, there's a real sense of compatibility within that, like a, a compatible kind of way of of working within yourself. So, and also too within the dreams, like everyone has their own language of specific ways that they relate within themselves dreams will use all all of that and more so that there's, there's not this flattening out thing it's not like oh i understand this dream and there's an analysis and there's a getting it square like that is not what happens within dream work right. it's really about this deepening and enlarging and this spacious connectivity that amplifies anything that's true for you right yeah, mm -hmm. that use the word integrative dream work, like that having these different practices, having the dream and whatever the dreamer's plumb line is, like for you it's, it's painting, and like to have that be part of the cyclical process that you were speaking of earlier, how the dreams work yeah. in the cyclical around things. Yeah, and there's this real, and there's real gratitude too about, you know, like occasionally get a dream that gives you some kind of directive or suggestion that you haven't thought of that might be nice for you to do <laughs> like like you know i've had i don't know several months now i've been doing um qigong practice which 
totally new to me. Like, you know, I just had a dream that was like, oh, you might want to include this now to help with, you know, particular body blocks. And I'm like, oh, okie doke. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm, I'm this absolute beginner, you know, in this, in this local, you know, Qigong class and I'm getting a lot out of it. This other way of honoring the intelligence of body, you know, honoring the intelligence of the body. And, you know, the main thing for me at the moment, if I can prattle a bit about the Qigong, like, the main thing I'm coming into awareness with it is how each movement is an active extension and opening. How just that very practice of that movement is changing within me deep habits of retraction. You know, as, as happens when you have particular difficulties in your life or circumstances, there's, there's this contraction that happens you know on all these different levels and all these different configurations you know the the body contracts the emotions contract the mind and it's held in such an unconscious manner that really like how to release all of that and it's a conundrum like how do you do that for me the qigong is is just this other way now that i'm feeling into re-educating my body into this flow and openness that you know, when I do it, I feel like, oh, my body really likes this. Like it wants to be, it wants to be this way. It wants to move this way. For me, it just floats my boat. Like, <laughs> you know, revelations of that sort. I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. And I love being a beginner. You know, I love this, um, this whole new ocean to explore now of this particular discipline, you know, and, you know, and I wouldn't have stepped into that without having, um, a dream to <coughs> give me a, <clears throat> Sorry, without a dream to give me a nudge because I'm really not someone who leans towards physical discipline. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's a very limited resource, so I apply it judiciously. You know, it's like walk the dog and yeah. do the laundry. <laughs> so that was um, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think it is important for. I do feel that dreams can be directive. I mean, it isn't just all about like doing the hard trauma, scary work. There's also like, try this or bring, you know, the dreams will be very, sometimes very direct, like try this. Like try doing this particular thing to see how it feels. Yeah. You know, I do think the dreams do want to guide us and help us over, you know, moving through things that get, that get stuck in us, like from our traumas, from the way we survive our traumas, from patterns that are unhealthy for us. And also into discovery. I'm a writer and I had a dream, dreams early on about painting, which is still entertaining to me as I'm not traditionally, let's put this way, I don't know how to figurative paint. <laughs> I don't have that particular skill. So it was challenging to me because I was like, I don't want to paint. Like I actually didn't. You know, I, I, I went out and made little sculptures instead, and uh, it wasn't the same. I ended up having to actually put paint on the canvas, which what the dream was saying was really scary. And uh, when I did, it actually, I understood something about myself. You know, when I was first started writing poetry seriously, I thought the only good part of me was the poem, and that I had to make the poem perfect or I wasn't okay so writing had this weight to it that was pretty terrible actually any creative energy i had toward that just completely got clogged up with that so doing something that i wasn't very good at uh quote unquote very good at but that was completely i was a beginner and i didn't know even how to hold the paintbrush or like oh there's different kinds of paints like there's oil paint and there's (laughs) acrylic and watercolor ah what do i you know i like i had no idea how to do any of that kind of opened up this whole place about my creativity, that it was, I I was creative, that it wasn't about the poetry, that there was a creative energy in me about expression, and that mm-hmm. I had the same feeling with doing the my artwork that I, you know, I had when I was doing poems. So it kind of, it opened up this thing and also began to question, the only good part of me was the poem that I could hand you. It really yeah. was really challenging that aspect of the fact the place where I didn't have any self worth really. And it was good. I mean it was very challenging. It thought, you know, kicked and screamed and Yeah. For a couple for a couple of years. And I still I mean I still have a hard time talking about it. You do I do little drawings and when I talk about them, I'm like well, I always say, Well I'm not an artist but I do these things and Yeah, qualifying that like, way, yeah. It was always like will you stop saying that. But it's still hard. So <laughs> like I said yeah. like you said it's a cycle and you come back to it. Not just the yeah. hard work but also the becoming work, you come back to it and it gets 
So yeah, yeah. Well, you know that that for me has been some of the um, stuff where I've had the most resistance around the becoming. Yeah, around you know, around the cool stuff. It's like surely there's another nugget of you know how I'm an asshole that I can work with here. Like, you know, I just, you know, I, you know, whatever, for whatever reasons, I had pretty strong instincts for leaning into the uglies. Like, if um, something was difficult or was revealed to me in a dream, like a way that I was being pain or avoidant or whatever, I was, I would jam myself right up against that. I would be all into that homework. Like, let's get into that. And then, I think I don't know. I wonder if it's just a kind of cyclical thing that happens because you're doing several years of this kind of excavation work, where you're discovering all these things about yourself. Many of them are quite unpleasant, you know, like stuff that you wouldn't want to know, but you do want to know it because once you know it, you're like, ah, yeah, that's true. Like, can that change? <laughs> the revelation that it can change. But leaning into all of this hard stuff, and then as there's sort of more opening and breakthrough and space for pleasurable like more pleasurable exploration about your lived experience, it, it almost feels like air compared to the concrete. No, and it's, it's this intangibility to it that is, I don't know, it makes it makes it feel less, in a way it's less real initially. And I, I think that's why the dreams for me use, uh, reference the painting for me to say, look, being this way with this is like, that like can you feel do you know I mean because it's an example within myself where I you know that lightness of being I guess you say the like the lightness of being and how that could be um, expanded into other arenas of my life yeah it's touchstone I guess a touchstone that was a stone I'm still wanting rocks like it's, a <laughs> like, like it's just it's there's there's a there's a knowing and a familiarity with that in a way like like I said like an acclimation Right. Yeah, yeah, the whole the whole difficulty in accepting the gift of your gifts, of your particular beauty and awareness, things that are amazing about yourself. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of easier to just go, well, isn't there some more work I can do that about hard stuff? Surely <laughs> yeah. there's another sure. corner of darkness that I can <laughs> route out. I mean, I think it's true. I mean, I. I I, I've also heard other versions of that, like that there is no lightness, that, that all there is, mm-hmm. that I, that, that there's nothing, I've heard people, people say like, well, there's nothing special about me, or there's, that's all there is, there's not this lightness mm-hmm. of being, there's not this potential, there's not this beautiful potency, and I think that is something that the dreams work, that's a, sto- that's, that's a common story that dreams work against in a lot of people, Yeah, that they carry that. So. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I definitely see it in my clients. There's this, I swear, like you know, they get a tough bit of 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 hard work, you know, to do between sessions, and they're leaning into it, being very valiant about it, and and getting that into consciousness. And yet, when it comes to something that's about a beautiful, light, connected experience, that seems to slip away from them. So I I, I have witnessed that as being an initial difficulty. It's easy to forget it or something. Well, and I think sometimes yeah. those kind of dreams seem like, well, it's not that big of a deal. It was just like little nothing of a dream or it was just, yeah. I mean, it was a sweet dream. I felt loved or I felt seen or I felt looked after and it seems like not a big deal versus like the big concrete hmm. scary dreams or the pain dreams or, yeah, you know, how I'm being a pain dream. <laughs> you know, like those dreams can be, like they can carry a large charge or sometimes, yeah. you know, the dreams that, bring the love and the and a different a different story can seem strange and not real to us so yeah and in 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 that way more easily dismissed perhaps right yeah oh it was, it was a nothing dream i i hear that yeah. a lot You're like oh i had this little nothing in the dream it's probably nothing oh inside of me i'm like oh i want to hear that one <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. sure it's going to be big. So, so that's what I think inside of me. Sometimes I'm like, huh. They're trying to, yeah. you know, because we try to brush away the the possible, which is a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah, and the funny thing, you know, about how with when you work with these dreams and all this myth busting that goes on, like there are 
important dreams and then there are less important dreams and there's you know there's spiritual dreams and there's mundane dreams <laughs> like, well, oh, I heard somebody <laughs> said well that was just a throwaway dream because it wasn't big I was like oh interesting yeah and yet yet they're all like vital like all vital right and and, and so much so that really you can't even receive the full the full impact of the impactful dreams if you're not being inclusive of the ones that you consider to be throwaway. Right. So, um, Kate, I really appreciate that you took time out to be on the podcast. And I just want to um, ask you, is there something, like, if you want to say one thing about the dream world, the dream landscape, what would you say? Like, when someone comes to you and say, why, do I, why would I want to do dreams? Like, how would you answer that? Ah, cool. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I think I'd just say dreams are this open invitation to step into conversation with the deepest, most intelligent and loving part of yourself. And like it's, it's totally worth saying yes to. It's this, I know, I just see this huge untapped resource that's within each and every one of us, you know. We'll sleep and we'll dream, and that you could receive such uh, such amazing support in your life and clarification on your spiritual journey, whatever you want to call it, this journey towards integration. And I've explored a lot of stuff in my 42 years in terms of modalities and approaches and ways of becoming more whole, this way of working with dreams is just, I don't know, I feel accompanied and it just feels like something I want to do forever and I will do forever. It's just an essential part of me now. And because everyone dreams, it, the invitation's there. It's right there every night. Thank you. It's beautiful. So thank you, Kate. And if you're interested in learning more about Kate or maybe even working with Kate, she has a website and your website is? Uh, www.dreamworkaustralia.com So thanks again and we'll we'll have a link with this podcast about directly to your website and so people can find you and explore more and yes, I would like to include some paintings if that's okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Deep so breath. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you, Kate. It's been an honor to have you on the podcast and I really appreciate you taking yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, it's been really fun, actually. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. Thank you.